This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Gutsy Health Podcast. How's it going? Um, I'll be honest. I am not entirely sure what our topic is today because I'm going to let Tristan take over on this one. He has a lot he wants to share with his experience. And it's it's a space I can't inhabit because I have never experienced what he's experienced. Um, but if you don't know Tristan, he's kind of like, a wise old owl, but he's not old. Um, getting there. He, no. <laughs> older every day. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are getting older, aren't we? Um, but if you don't know Tristan, well, if you do know Tristan, you just know he's extremely brilliant. And not only is he brilliant, but he's also extremely, extremely sensitive and deeply thoughtful. And so, babe, why didn't you take it away? You know, we're, we're right at the, the three-year mark. Yesterday, as of this recording, was three years since I was diagnosed. Yeah. And it's been a long three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm 80. Some parts have felt longer than others, but um, anyone who's been through a serious illness knows that uh, it, it can be hell. The things you go through, the pain the fear, the worry, the endless doctors' offices and treatments and all of that. The trauma. It, and it uh, and it can wear you down. But uh, that I guess that's the the thing that I have had on my mind as this anniversary has rolled around and kind of wanting to go a little bit further into the non-treatment aspects of dealing with illness, the non-external, the internal parts of healing, basically. And every year when this anniversary rolls around, yes, it's only the third one, but um, every year there's this kind of recircling around to this experience, um, which is maybe a little bit like trauma and the reliving of the trauma that goes on. But it also brings with it a kind of a rehashing of all of the emotional experience of what happened during that first year. And for us, that was the most intensive in terms of the actual treatments and everything we went through mm-hmm. where we had all of the, the actual chemo radiation, that sort of a thing. Um, it's also when all of these emotions were really new and we were going through them for the first time, not for the 800th yeah. like now. Yeah. And so it's, it's challenging, right? And it's been very distracting for me trying to, make sense of it and work through it again and ultimately try to put it into words that help me to process it, but also hopefully words that help others to make sense of this and to help others maybe apply some of what has worked for me and for us, I guess, as we have gotten to where we are. So just to jump to the end really quickly we're good. Like we're, we're doing really well. 
Are we? <laughs> we? I was a little worried 10 minutes before this recording. <laughs> yeah, there's there's these moments of darkness, I guess. Yeah. But on the whole, we have this beautiful life. Yeah. Right? We're doing what we love. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, what we're doing now is 100 times better than what we would be doing had we never gone through this whole adventure. That's true. Right? We uh, We like each other. Which is nice. <laughs> and we've got these awesome kids. So so life really couldn't get a lot better for us. But that doesn't mean that there are no demons. And I want to acknowledge those and put them into context with the rest of this journey. And I'm not sure the best way to do that. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing that I've seen through my own experience and that I've observed in many, many other people that we've kind of shared some time with over the last few years is that being a patient, uh, whether that's cancer or really any other serious illness, uh, in fact, being a pregnant woman, I think falls into this category as well in a lot of ways. But when you're a patient, One of the most devastating parts, uh, especially in the cancer world, I think, is becoming a passive recipient of external forces. And initially, that's the disease that kind of comes out of nowhere and starts ripping you to pieces from the inside out. And then you go to the doctors and they give you medicine. And you are a passive recipient of the medicine or the treatments or combination of all of that. And you receive what you're given and a battle is waged over your body. And all you can really do is kind of hope and pray that the good guys win. And you have no idea who is going to win and... You get to experience all of the little victories and all of the little defeats that take place during these battles. But ultimately, it's out of your hands and you're helpless. And that wears on you. With every little defeat, a piece of you dies. And you start to feel more and more helpless and more and more hopeless until at some point, your spirit breaks. And that's a really, really dark view of how it can go. But that's kind of how the process tends to play out in a lot of cases. And what I've found for myself that has made a really big difference in breaking out of that pattern is a very, very strong belief that the things that take place inside of me Uh, the spiritual, the psychological, and the emotional aspects matter every bit as much as the physiological and the external aspects. And when I have been able to really target in on what is happening in my spirit, I'll call it, I find power. And I find a sense of control 
over my situation. And I find that I actually do have an active part to play in what happens to me beyond just the being the patient. And that is what has gotten me through some of the darkest moments of the last few years. I want to interject that a lot of people look at our story and think, oh, it's the chambers. Oh, it's the ozone sauna. Oh, it's the nutrition. Um, But what people are not seeing is the amount of emotional work Tristan has had to do. Well, that we have, honestly. But like you've done so much work, babe. Like so much. Like you're a completely different person to whom I married 13 years ago. And I don't want to say like I thank cancer for that because cancer continues to devastate our lives and the lives of people that we love. So I, I can't give cancer that, but it 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 gave us some, I, I, I have gratitude. I have a space of gratitude for, I get the image of a phoenix, right? That, that comes out of the, the fire, you know, and that's, that's, you heard like this, the true you, or I don't want to say true, but like, this new you was born out of literally fire and like so much fire, so many ashes, but it's, I, I, wouldn't you say that it's a more empowered you? How would you describe old Tristan versus new Tristan? Um, thank you, by the way. You're welcome. Um, thank you. You did all the work. No. So I'll answer that, but I also want to acknowledge that, in the darkest moments I've had, I have leaned on Janique very heavily. And more specifically, I've leaned on her her positivity, um, her will to fight. In the in the few moments where it really felt like this was this was a lost cause, that the ship was going down. I, in those moments, 100% leaned on her unwillingness to give in to that. And that was extremely, extremely important to me. So, you know, this is not a single player game, so to speak, right? It's a, it's a community effort. Mm-hmm. And for me, Jeanique was the foundation of that. But beyond that, even, there are hundreds of people in our lives Mm -hmm. that step up for us when we need it, right? Totally. And with a little coaching, these people are incredibly supportive of what we do and what we believe about Mm -hmm. what we do, Mm -hmm. which is maybe the more important of the two factors. And that's, that's what... I think you were getting at before, right? That it's not the chambers, it's not the machines entirely. It's the perspective you bring to it. Yeah. The attitude you have about what's going on. Yeah. The beliefs. I think what I see a lot in the in this cancer world is and I don't want to say this because it's I, it just, this is such a hard topic to talk about, but, but what I see a lot in the cancer world is you are given this devastating news, devastating, like the worst diagnosis on the face of the planet. 
or one of the worst. And I see people completely giving their bodies up to the medical world. And it's like, my body's yours. Do whatever you need. Do whatever you want. Versus coming from an empowered stance of, I'm the captain here. I'm calling the shots. You're the doctor who's supposed to educate me so I can make those calls. Now go. Yeah. And and that kind of starts getting to the heart of what I'm hoping to convey with this. And that's that two people could do exactly the same thing in terms of their treatment decisions, right? Two unrelated people could both say to the doctors, you do whatever it is you need to do. Mm-hmm. And they could be doing that for completely opposite reasons. Yeah, One of them, because they're so terrified that they can't make a decision and they need somebody else to take over, yeah. right? They, they willingly take on that passive role mm-hmm. because it's all that they can handle in that moment. Yeah which is completely understandable. I've been there. We, yeah, we've been there. That was that was us. That's, that's how we started. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone could go in and say, you do whatever you need to do, doc. But they're doing it because they have done the internal work and decided that this was legitimately what was in their best interest. Yeah. And they have 100% faith that that is going to be what they need Mm -hmm. and and on the surface you would never be able to tell one from the other Mm -hmm. and there's probably never been any research studies on how that affects their outcomes yeah but i could you know i've got my opinions on that obviously Mm -hmm. and that's that's really what i want people to get from this is that even though you're afraid and even though you hurt in a lot of different ways, ultimately the way things go, your experience is entirely dependent on the story you tell yourself, Mm -hmm. right? The story you tell yourself about how you got into that situation in the first place and the story you tell yourself about what you are doing and where that is leading you, that is the most important tool that you have And it will either make you or break you. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that if you live, it's because you told the right story. And if you die, it's because you told the wrong story. Yeah. Because I've seen plenty of people who survived and they told the wrong story Mm -hmm. and they're broken. Yeah. Right. They're alive, but their spirit is so broken and it's like they're just waiting for it to come back and take them. Yeah. But what I want for people is for your story to be one of triumph, one of victory, one of love, appreciation. You pick it, but, but you pick it, right? Yeah. It's not handed to you. Mm-hmm. For me, I choose to make my story about appreciation. I have found in my own life that once again, in those darkest moments, the only thing that gets me back on my feet, aside from the fact that Janique is keeping me from drowning, is getting back in touch with the appreciation in my life, the things that give my life joy, the things that 
make my life worth fighting for. And the more I can get in touch with those things, the more power I feel coming back into me so that I can deal with what my physical body has to deal with. Yeah. And at this point, three years out, I'm still learning this lesson. I'm still going through this. And I probably will for the rest of my life in different yeah. forms. Totally. This, you know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't look the same way yeah. every single year. But uh, the fact is that this is a lesson that, that continues to evolve. And it's a concept that I'm still forming in myself and trying to see how that plays out in the world around me. But I can say that, that for me, it's a battle between appreciation for what I have and fear of what I could lose. Yeah. And so all the things that, that do bring me appreciation, my, what I get to do on a day-to-day basis, my family, my health, they are all the same things that if I tell the wrong story, that brings up fear yeah. in a very intense way. Because all I can think about is how these things could be taken from me. Yeah. And that, ironically, prevents me from being able to actually enjoy these things. Right. And that's what I've been struggling with over the last few days leading up to this anniversary is so much fear about losing what I appreciate that I'm not even with the things that I appreciate. Right. Not present with that. The tricky thing about this fear, there's the saying that if you experience anxiety and fear, you're, you're looking to the future. If you experience depression, you're looking, you're, you're living in the past but having gratitude helps you stay present. Um, we were at a training yesterday and the, the doctor was talking about how there's a point where your brain interprets stress and it's how your brain interprets that stress that determines the chemical cascade of events that happens within your body. So is your brain interpreting that stress as positive or negative? If it's positive, you get a positive cascade of events, of chemical events that happen in your body that build it or help it or um, help your body adapt in a healthy manner. But if your brain is interpreting that stress as terrible stress, negative stress, harmful stress, then your body will create this cascade of hormones and pathways, neuropathways that perpetuate negative things, perpetuate disease, perpetuate inflammation. You can, you can literally generate inflammation in your body with your thoughts. So I've actually been doing that the past few days. Every time I'm triggered, my liver is inflamed and I actually get pain um, in my armpits. And uh, this is going to sound weird, guys. You guys are going to think I'm crazy, but in my breast tissue, because I, those were my triggers back in the day when um, Tristan was going through his stuff. And I was so triggered that I, um, I thought, well, if Tristan can get cancer, anyone can get cancer and maybe I have cancer. And so I remember I went through this frantic like time of just palpating everything in my body. And I'm like, what's that? What's that? What's that? And I would palpate so much that I would hurt. And now every time I am triggered, those spots that I hurt back then get inflamed. Isn't that wild? 
Yeah. Like that's, some. that's, that's the true, that is the truest form of PTSD and probably way too much TMI for our listeners, but um, probably a lot of you experience stuff like that. So if you think you're crazy, you're not because uh, I've, I've actually come across a lot of clients who um, it's not in the exact same spots as my spots, but they will have trigger pain areas due to their PTSD. Isn't that, isn't it amazing what the body does? It's just like, if the body can create pain from your thought processes, imagine what it can do from healing thought processes. Exactly. This, this phenomenon is not limited to One creating pathway. illness. Mm-hmm. It is very much something that happens in the other direction in mm-hmm. creating wellness. Exactly. And that is why the things you surround yourself with are so important Mm-hmm. that's really, that's why I abandoned my oncologist. We we kind of emancipated ourselves from the medical world because we were, it just, it was too traumatizing. And on that note, if you think we're crazy, that's fine. Just keep it to yourself <laughs> because we don't need that. We don't need that negativity. Mm-hmm. The fact is that every interaction with the oncologist was creating fear in me. Mm-hmm. Every interaction with the cancer support groups was creating fear in me, mm-hmm. right? And it was the situation where I was so surrounded by fear that I couldn't help but be subsumed in mm-hmm. the fear. And that was working against my own internal healing processes. Yeah. And this is not just some woo spiritualist weirdness, right? Like, these are well-established things that happen yeah. that thoughts do lead to illness or wellness. Yeah, they really do. And so I want you to really evaluate your environment, the places you spend time, the people you spend time with, the things you think and talk about. Mm-hmm. And I want you to evaluate, are those things creating an atmosphere of healing or an atmosphere of sickness around you. And if it's the latter, then it's time to clean house, right? We talk about this all the time with food. If your house is full of sugar, you're probably going to eat sugar and you're going to get all the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. It's no different with your mind. If your mind is full of fear and resentment and darkness, you are eventually going to come across one of those thoughts and it is going to create an emotional experience for you that then triggers all of your physiological processes that go along with that. And you are sending yourself down the pathway of illness. If you really want to dive deep into this concept. There is a book by Bruce Lipton called The Biology of Belief. This is probably my third time mentioning it <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> so just go read it already. Just read it. Exactly. Um, but it, it talks about this concept of your your mind, your environment, literally changing the chemistry in your body, literally changing, turning genes on, turning genes off. Potentially those genes are cancer fighting genes. Potentially those genes are cancer growing genes. But it doesn't matter. Like, you don't have to understand the nitty gritty. Like, understanding the concept that good equals health, bad equals disease. 
like Tristan talks about your environment of your mind, but what about your environment of your body? Like the relationships that you're in, like the stuff that you read on Facebook, Instagram, we're micro dosing on information Mm -hmm. that, and the majority of that information is negative. Why? Because that provokes emotion and strong emotion too. That's how people sell you. They sell you on your emotions. If they can provoke like, and especially negative emotions, Mm -hmm. they've got you hook, line and sinker. And so it's, it's your job. You are entitled to boundaries, boundaries with social media, boundaries with people, boundaries with friends, family, uh, you name it. Just listen to enlightening things, things like, Oh my gosh, you guys, I love Tony Robbins so much. Like during my, my bad times, like that's all I would listen to is Tony. He always spoke about emulating people that are where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says, if you want something in your life, find someone who has done that and do exactly what they're doing. And there is where the, the magic is. And I say magic, but it's not magic. It's, it's formulaic. It's only magic because we have such a poor understanding of it. Mm-hmm. It's so foreign to us. And it shouldn't be because right. this, is, this is how we were designed. Mm-hmm. At our very core, at our genetic core, we are storytellers. Mm-hmm. We are designed to tell stories that explain the world around us. And our brains believe those stories. Yep. And when our brains believe a story, they have the ability to change what's going on in our bodies. Yeah, exactly. So what kind of story are you telling yourself? Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what treatments you choose in, in the big picture. As long as the story you're telling yourself about those treatments is the right one. Right. Which is why we... Very, very rarely, sometimes we slip, but we we really don't say, oh, that's a bad treatment. This is a good treatment. We know so many people who have gone completely conventional with their cancer treatment and they've done great with it. They've done so well with it. And we love that. Mm -hmm. We wish everyone could have that. The problem though, is that most people, when they go the conventional route, they get the conventional story. And the conventional story in my case was one to 2%, mm-hmm. one to 2% chance. I, I told myself I wasn't going to look up the odds when I found out about the diagnosis. And keep in mind that at the time when we first learned about this, we thought it was stage three. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to look up. I looked it up. I couldn't help it. It was probably the first or second night after okay. I got the diagnosis. And I saw the chart and it said for stage three, three to 4%. And for stage four, one to two percent. Yeah. And that was a really bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible because I then gave myself a three to four percent chance. Yeah. Which was apparently better than I really had. But but that was the story we got, right? And then you go see the doctors and they're very serious. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to give you false hope. So they give you a really dark reality check. And they lump you into the same category as all of the rest of their patients, many of whom are, you know, 80, 90 years old. And they say, well, on average, here is what you can expect to happen. Yeah. 
and you listen to that and it comes from an authority figure and you and tell yourself- it has so much weight on your psyche. Their story is very powerful because they hold power in our society, yep. right? I talk about power a lot, you may have noticed. And that's because- those people, those organizations, those things that hold power get to decide what the dominant narrative is. Mm -hmm. And the dominant narrative is truth. Mm -hmm. That's it. What we see as true is entirely dependent on which story is the strongest yep. around us. And the storytellers in these situations are the doctors for most people. The doctors, the, the, the marketers, Mm-hmm. The marketers, the oh people my gosh. who sell mm-hmm. the drugs, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones telling the stories and the doctors are the ones that hold all the clout. And so they retell the stories and we hear that and say, it must be true mm-hmm. because this very important person is saying it. Mm-hmm. And we discount our own story. And that is the real tragedy. This is where people get broken spiritually. They learn to ignore their own story and they adopt somebody else's story. So essentially what you're doing is you are letting somebody else tell your story for you. You have just become a passive recipient Mm -hmm. of forces outside of yourself. Yeah. And in my opinion, that is the absolute worst place you can be. Right. And I'll sometimes find myself slipping into that role, which is what happened this week, which is really what happened tonight. And I found myself stuck in a narrative where I was not a stakeholder. I was just the thing that was being fought over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There were, you know, the cancer on one side and the treatments on the other. And all I could do is watch and hope for the best. And, and I didn't recognize that that's what was happening but I felt myself getting frustrated and angry and just really, really unhappy. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately we've been able to talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just by talking about it, I feel myself pulling out of it. Good. <laughs> yeah, it is good. good. <laughs> Cause it, it was kind of scaring me <laughs> for a second. I told Tristan, I'm like, I haven't seen you in this space in a really long time. But again, like these anniversaries are very, very triggering. So, yeah. And, you know, that, that combined with seeing the, the struggles of other people and feeling a sense of empathy or sympathy with what they're going through and sometimes absorbing a little bit of that energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that takes a toll. It really does. There was something I wanted to say. Uh, that you mentioned earlier about um, being a a participant in your story. And um, I talk to a lot of people online who will come to me and say, I can never eat as well as you do, or that's just too hard. Or, you know, they they first tell me their, their illness, right? Like, and it's extensive decades worth of being uncomfortable and as soon as I start reading those stories, I I immediately think you've already created the narrative of unempowerment where you you said, I can't do this. And and it's so hard to explain to people, like as soon as you change the narrative, the action comes. You know, so that's what I think you're trying to tell people is empower yourself with a different story. Like mm-hmm. 
you have illness, you can change illness, but you need to embody that story. And uh, I saw this, this quote on Instagram that someone posted. It said, if it's a priority, you will find a way. If it isn't, you'll find an excuse. Mm. And I was like, that, that's so beautifully said because sometimes excuses, excuses are passive, right? They require no energy whatsoever. They require no accountability. And they reinforce the disempowering narrative. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, I, and you guys, we're not sitting here being like, your guys' stories suck. What we're saying is, have you given yourself permission to change it? Because a lot of people don't even recognize that we are stuck in these negative story patterns. And that's the thing. It it really isn't your fault because you were born into a world Mm -hmm. that generally speaking has a really sucky story. Yes. Right. You were born into a world where you are taught from a very young age through the example of the people who raise you to basically be powerless. And, And that's not everybody, but on the whole, we see these disempowered examples all around us Mm -hmm. from the time we're born. And so we are raised to believe that that's just how it is. And then you add the marketers on top of that who tell you that your only hope is this product or that product, right? You need to go outside of yourself in order to find what you're looking for. And so of course, this is where you've landed. Of course you don't believe that you have what it takes inside of you. No one has ever suggested that you could. Yeah. And when they did, you were taught long before that to reject it, right? Yeah. Are you one of those people that you get a compliment and your first reaction is no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Stop. Right. Yeah. Or to look away or to deflect or to try to throw it right back. No, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes to not have to let that sink in. Yeah. Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah. But here's your problem. You've listened to us this long now. And that means that from this point forward, you're responsible. It's mm-hmm. not your fault that things got to where they are, but it is now your responsibility to make them different going forward. Yeah. I, I just thought of something. Oh my gosh, who was it that told me this? And I just, I don't know why it had such a profound impact on me, but they said, and maybe it was like a big speaker or whatever, but they said, ever since you were born, everything was told to you. Everything was dictated to you. You didn't even pick your own name. Like, and I remember being like, that's so true. Like these, these, these messages that we've gotten since we were babies, like, oh, that's the quiet baby. Oh, that's the colicky baby. Oh, that's the fussy baby. And then that story enhanced maybe a trait. And then there are stories that came from you when you were older. And then maybe that story enhanced other traits, but they were always stories that other people told you that came from outside of you versus stories that come from within, stories that are just waiting to burst out of you into the world. And we kind of talked about this way back in our episode with Dr. Elia, Mm -hmm. when he talked about how he was given a personality. He Mm -hmm. was the happy baby. And that was a really fortunate example of Mm -hmm. how he was given a wonderful story that has served him his entire life. Mm -hmm. 
but far too few little ones are given those types of stories. And instead they're given the disempowering stories or the self-sabotaging stories. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, even with our own children, like we see these forces trying to work their way in to these teeny little hearts. And it's mm-hmm. so sad and worrying. And we have to do so much proactive effort to mm-hmm. reverse that. Like our son, he's five and a half years old and he'll go through these periods of time where he has this very negative self-talk mm-hmm. and if we don't catch it early and start deprogramming that and reprogramming him with self-empowering messages, it starts to show in his face and in his demeanor and in his behavior. Yeah. And he's that young. And this is something that we look for and that we're actively working on. So imagine for people who don't have that, that they never even consider a proactive and self-empowering message until they're in their twenties or Mm thirties. Yep. That is a lot to have to deprogram, but here you are, right? So here you are. And now you're ready to start reprogramming yourself. What do you do? And we've already hinted at this a little bit. We have, we have, (laughs) Uh, you create a new story. (laughs) Well, well, right. I mean that that's, that's the goal, but how do you create the new story? especially when you've got the old story that's still a very yeah. strong tape playing over and over in your head. The first thing you got to do is clean house. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about earlier. Totally. You get the sugar out of your house and you get the negative messages out of your brain. Mm-hmm. And if that means you need to set up some boundaries with people around you, then that's what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that conversation doesn't have to be completely terrible. It can be as simple as, I want to start, this is what you say to people, right? I want to start seeing my life in a more positive frame of mind. And I would ask you to help me do that. And if you can't help me do that, then I'm going to ask you to not share your opinion. Yeah. Right. I've actually done that on this episode already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I do that all the time to people because I'm not above brainwashing myself. If that's what yeah. you have to call it. Yeah. The fact is that the thoughts I think over and over and over again become my beliefs and my beliefs start to create my story and my story determines where I end up. So I'm going to very, very heavily guard the messages that get into my head Mm -hmm. and you need to do the same. So start surrounding yourself with messages that empower you. People that give you those messages media that gives you those messages. If your social media feed doesn't empower you, then it's time to clean house. Maybe take a break from that for a while Mm -hmm. and maybe start following a lot of positive accounts Mm -hmm. so that your feed transforms into something that recharges you, doesn't drain you. Right. I love that. The, uh, the media that you watch and listen to is also very important right? Netflix is a big part of everyone's lives. There's not much getting around that for most people, Mm -hmm. but you can choose where you spend your time on Netflix, Mm -hmm. right? And one thing that we've been doing a lot lately is we 
we only try to watch comedy. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like, and that hasn't been something that we sat down and said, you know, we need to make our lives more positive. Let's only watch comedies on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's just something that happened because we sensed a need in ourselves to have more of that positivity. So now we only watch comedies for the most part, Yeah, at least when we're together. And and it's great. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's kind of gross. But yeah. <laughs> but the fact is that that it it helps create this pattern in our brains of laughter. Yeah. Exactly. Which is a very healing emotion to have. Exactly. I want to say step 2 to that is and I mentioned it earlier, but find those that are where you want to be and then emulate them. Yeah. Like study them. What are they doing? do do what they're doing. And, um, and a lot of times like they will talk about what they do, um, their routines, their practices, their, um, rituals, um, because changing who, I don't want to say changing who you are, growing who you are takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of discipline, but it's not like school discipline where it's like, you just have to endure it. It's, it's, there's joy in the journey. There's joy in that change. Like, yes, it's uncomfortable, um, but it's a good uncomfortable. It's like when you work out uncomfortable, you know, it's that kind of pain where it's, it's painful, but it feels good and it energizes you. Um, so seek out those that have done what you are hoping to do. And time for a quick shout out for the cancer people out there. If you're looking for someone Kim can kick it on She's Instagram. Amazing. She is amazing. Mm-hmm. And we actually have people send us her stories all the time. Like, you've got to check this woman out. We're like, we have, mm-hmm. <laughs> we love her. Um, but she is such a fantastic example of what Jeanique was just talking about. Mm-hmm. She's, she's going through the whole cancer thing and it, has its ups and downs like it does for all of us. And she faces all of it with this incredible attitude. It is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And her experience, not, not the things that happened to her body, but her emotional experience through all of this is what I wish for everybody. Yeah. Because it is so empowering and it creates so many ripples that go out and affect the world around her in ways that she will never even realize. Yep. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. There's another person out there. Um, her name is Chris Carr and she was, um, someone sent me, uh, Oprah's episode with, uh, this girl, Chris Carr on, and she wrote many books. She's written many books. Uh, one is called crazy, sexy diet. And the other one is called crazy, sexy cancer. And the podcast episode where she is on the Oprah, Oprah's something. I don't know. Oprah has a podcast, you guys. Um, I, I'm clearly not like an Oprah group, groupie. Because real quick, real quick. If you spend a lot of your podcast time listening to real crime stories, this could be a nice breath of fresh air for you. Go Which listen one? to Oprah for a while. Really? Okay. It's Oprah. How could it yeah. possibly be negative? Right, right, right exactly. <laughs> so Chris Carr, K-R-I-S, and then Carr, which is spelled C-A-R-R. And she's amazing because she just has this incredible um, attitude. She was diagnosed with this super rare cancer. And um, and she talks about how it transformed her. And she's she's hilarious as well. Like she is such a good storyteller that you just want her to keep talking to you all day 
And so, um, so go and listen to her, read her books, uh, follow her wherever she is, I guess, and just seek out her story because it, it can be very, very empowering, mm-hmm. very empowering. I, 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 like how I found out about her was my friend, one of my really good friends in my book club, she sent it to me. She's like, this reminds me of you guys. And, um, and, and that, that made me feel really good because sometimes it can feel really isolating or you can feel really isolated being in the alternative cancer world where you're like, are we really doing the right thing? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Right. And then you come across people like Chris Carr and you're like, okay, it's working for them too. Great. You know? <laughs> and so you just have to keep finding the people that it's working for as well. And you'd be like, okay, we're good. We're all good. We're, <laughs> we're all going to be okay. And again, what we do is not for everyone. It really isn't, you know, like everyone's story and everyone's journey is so individual. I will never, ever, ever, ever tell you that what we did is true for absolutely everyone out there. That's just not fair to you. That's not fair to me. You know, we're, we're not the same person. We're not the same body. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it does help when you find other people that are doing what you're doing and, um, and they are in the same space as you are. Yeah, the fact is that you have to believe the story you choose to tell yourself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do you any good if you are telling a story and your brain is immediately rejecting it and saying, no, nah, that's bull, right? right? So, so you've got to find the thing that you can believe in, the thing that causes you to resonate from the inside out. And, and then you go with that and you don't question that. You don't look back. You just, you go with it and you go with it 1000% until -hmm. you get a really good reason to look a different direction. Exactly. Real quick. One more thing I want to mention is your music. And when you are listening to your music, pay attention to how it makes you feel. I'm not saying, do you like it or do you not like it? I'm saying music creates emotions in us. It is this really powerful tool that can cause us to go in one of a million different directions emotionally. Mm -hmm. And if you consistently listen to the same kind of music, that music probably has a really powerful effect on your general mood, your general spiritual state, we'll call it. Yeah. And so pay attention to that and, and see if there is something you can tweak there to use that to your advantage. Exactly. Uh, and I'm not going to say what kinds of music will do that because that's going to be different from person to person. Yeah. But you know, and you can be honest with yourself about that. So hopefully those tips are kind of helpful. And the really important thing to keep in mind is that we are creatures of habit. We don't just get to make a declaration one day and then that defines what we do going forward. Mm-hmm. What we do, the story of our lives is made up of a million different individual moments mm-hmm. in which we decide between thing A or thing B. Yeah. And so you get to make these decisions over and over and over again. And all you have to do is make sure that the scale tips in your favor. Exactly. Right. But that means that no single moment can be taken for granted. Yeah. You have to you have to look at every single decision that you make, every single moment that you have as a life defining moment mm-hmm. where you either push the momentum further in your favor or you knock yourself back. 
But I think the important thing for everyone to recognize here is you have the power. Like it's all within you. And that's what our platform is all about is taking your power back. And, and, and these are the people that we are speaking to right now. The people who want that message, the people who, whether their surface brain really buys that at this point, deep down inside, you hear us say this and deep down inside you go, yes, that is true. Mm -hmm. I want that for myself. We're not talking to the people who don't want responsibility. They want to put that on other people. They want to just receive what they get. That's fine. You are more than welcome to do that, but we probably aren't going to have a lot to talk about. And that's okay. I'm sure that there are podcasts out there that can help support that frame of mind. Exactly. How are you feeling, Tris? So much better. Really? So much better, yeah. We were in a really dark space when we started this. I was. Well, I think maybe three minutes before we started this. Yeah. And that, by the way, since we're on the subject, sometimes even after doing this for years and years, it's still hard. Yeah. Right? I started meditating in middle school and I started learning these concepts about the present moment and momentum and stories. Mm-hmm. It's been 25 years. Yeah. And I still have these moments where I don't want that. Yeah. Right. Where, where it's hard and my brain says, can we just skip this? Because this is hard. Let's mm-hmm. just, let's just numb out for a while yeah. and we'll let the default win out and yeah. then we'll get back on the horse tomorrow. It doesn't work that way no. because if you skip it and you numb out and you let the default win out, the default gets that much more powerful, yeah. right? The dominant narrative gets more powerful and the narrative that you, I choose for myself gets weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share what you used a lot or listened to a lot? during some of our darkest times? Um, or do you think it's too weird? <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll share it. I'm not afraid. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm already weird, I think. <laughs> We're um, pretty weird. The, the people who find this to be weird probably stopped listening to us a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So one of my absolute favorite things, and I listen to it all the time, especially when things get difficult, is Abraham Hicks. Mm-hmm. And Abraham Hicks is, this is the fun part. Oh my gosh. Abraham Hicks is- Do we is, even want to get into that or do we just want listeners to like go well, find it by themselves? Okay, fine. Just go find it. So- just, Okay, just go to YouTube and just type in Abraham Hicks, H-I-C-K-S. Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah, and, that's right. And, and um, watch one of the videos. Mm-hmm, watch one of the videos. I read um, their book- ask and it is given. And oh my gosh, she's fantastic. Esther Hicks is just fantastic and she's hilarious and she's just so darling. You know, she's like the grandmother everyone should have or the mother that everyone should have. And um, she's, uh, just just go look her up. So, and, and here's the thing is that you may completely reject the story that they're telling about their own background. And that doesn't matter one bit. Mm-hmm. because the things that they speak about are true. Yeah. And I have found them to be true so many times in my own life. And they have come to be a very defining feature of how I try to approach the world. Yeah. 
And the two really important keys that I take away from them, and there's more than that, but the two really important ones that have come back to me over and over and over again are that one, I am the storyteller. Mm-hmm. I choose the stories, no one else. And yeah. if somebody else is telling my story, it's because I allow them to, right? So I am the storyteller. And two, appreciation is how you accomplish the changes that you desire for mm-hmm. yourself. It's all about appreciation because you will not get more of what you want until you first fully acknowledge the parts that you already have. Yeah, I love that. And the irony of that is that the better you get at that, the less important the change actually becomes to you, Mm -hmm. but the more easily it comes to you. Right. The less resistant you are and the more you are able to receive Mm-hmm. is how I see that. It's yeah, like, it, it, that, that's really, that's what it comes down to is you are breaking down your resistance. And that's really what I was doing prior to starting this episode was I was feeling that resistance and it was very hard resistance. And through a lot of your patience and not letting me give up. You guys, I'm not a very patient person. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, she kept... Poking and poking and poking. So maybe patience isn't the right word for it. But but the fact is that like we were able to break through the resistance. And in doing so, we created momentum in my favor to where right now I feel really good. Good. Yeah, it is good. It's really good. But it took a lot of work to get here, a lot of emotional energy. Yeah. And I'm an Enneagram nine, by the way, those of you out there that know Enneagram nines, mm-hmm. um, we are emotionally so lazy. <laughs> like we will work so, so hard <laughs> physically, serious. but emotionally we just don't have the energy for that. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a really big deal that we were able to accomplish this. And because we did though, I've got all this momentum in my favor and it feels so good Good. And I feel like we've completely rewritten the narrative of this evening okay, and really the last week for me. I'm so glad. And it's so nice to be able to articulate yeah. a lot of the feelings that I've had and to see how those things have been playing out for me. Mm-hmm. And now that I've gotten it out, I feel like it's lost a lot of power. Good. I hope you guys were able to learn something from our processing out loud today. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. We hope that you can find it within you to take your power back because once you have a taste for it, you will never turn back. You will, I I feel like since we learned that we could take our power back those two years ago, like we've, we've run with it. We took that and we like sprinted in the other direction. And we, I, I can never go back to how things used to be where I let people dictate for me how my life should be or what I should believe in or what I should do. And it's okay to start small. Mm-hmm, totally. We started small. Mm-hmm. Like we started with, we're going to do everything the doctors say, but we're like, going to, we're going to eat a little bit more healthy. Mm-hmm. Right? Or a little question here, a little right. question there. We're going to, we're going to, throw this article in our oncologist direction and see what happens. Right. I even remember you guys are going to think this is ridiculous, but I even remember when we were vetting um, like my kids, new pediatrician, and I would just ask him little side questions and then 
judge him according to it. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm. hmm, can I trust you? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can trust you. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't outright like, I'm not going to listen to you. It was just, it was me um, practicing my power with asking controversial questions. And mm-hmm. that felt good. Right. And, and honestly, like three years ago, we never could have imagined some of the stuff that we've done since then. I know. And I still... Because if if we had looked at where we are now, we would have said, whoa, are you even allowed to do that? <laughs> right. And we're still not sure. But the yeah. point is that we are not waiting for somebody else to give us permission to do what we think is right mm-hmm. for us and for the people that we work with. We do it and then we hire lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. But but that's the, the difference, right? Is that we're now blazing a path and yeah, we're figuring it out as we go, yeah. but we're active participants in that. We're not just waiting to find out what is okay. Right. Because when you do that, things tend not to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. The the system does not really dig change very much. No, it does not. And so if you wait for the system to give you permission to change things, it will You'll, find a million excuses. Once again, there's mm-hmm. that word to keep things the way they are. You will wait until you die because it will not give you permission. No, it won't because the people who have the power are benefiting from the way things are now. Mm-hmm. And why would they willingly give up their power? Yeah. Which means the only way for you to get more of it is for you to actively go out and take it. Exactly. You've got to go and take your power and don't be afraid of how that makes other people uncomfortable. Right, exactly. If I can just tell you about Abraham Hicks and how I like to listen to that, even though it's really a woman named Esther Hicks, then you can go out and do something that makes people around you a little bit uncomfortable and you'll be fine. You will. Yep. In fact, it'll feel so good. Exactly. All right. I'm done. All righty. Thanks for listening guys. Thank you. Until next week. Have a good one. 